Hey folks, welcome to the House of Krauss. I'm Richard Krauss, and guess what? It's ladies' night. You know why? Because the feeling's right. That's right, we did it a few weeks ago and it went over pretty well. People seem to like it, so we're throwing open the doors again and inviting two really interesting women by Toni Collette. We know her, she's a film and television actress. She's co-starring right now in a movie called Miss You Already, co-starring Drew Barrymore. Barrymore plays Tony Collette's best friend when Tony Collette's character Millie is diagnosed with cancer, terminal cancer, their relationship becomes strained. But this is a movie that manages to be both depressing and uplifting at the same time. And I had a long conversation with Tony Collette about the film, about the nature of the friendship in the film, and what it meant to me as someone who's gone through chemo, someone who's been told that they have cancer, I found that the movie had uh, a sort of an undercurrent to it that I understood because I've been there. And we talked about that. You'll hear that in a minute. First up though, we're going to talk to Mary Mapes. Mary Mapes is one of the people uh, portrayed in the film Truth. She is a former CBS television producer. She was Dan Rather's producer at 60 Minutes 2. They uncovered many big, hot stories together, and then they tried to have a look at George Bush's war records. They produced a story, they ran with the story, and after the story ran, some questions as to the veracity of some documents that they had uncovered came to light, and rightly or wrongly, and there is some conjecture about this, rightly or wrongly, both of them lost their jobs. Dan Rather has gone on to remain a broadcaster. Mary Mapes, however, after winning a Peabody, after winning Emmys, has not produced one minute of television since 2004 when CBS let her go. In this conversation, Mary Mapes and I talk about journalism, the importance of journalism, and how she feels that maybe, just possibly, she was made a scapegoat. Uh, so I, I have to ask you, are there any stories in the last 10 years that have made the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and you say, oh man, I would if, if I was at 60 Minutes, this is what the story that I would want to be covering? Oh, bunches of yeah, them. Yeah, sure. My gosh, bunches of them. And then I remember working at 60 Minutes and the hair on the back of my neck stands up for different reasons. <laughs> so I come to my senses pretty quickly. But I do think, um, it, you know, there is nothing, there has never been anything as exciting and interesting to me as reality. Right. And that's always going to be the truth. If you have never been in a newsroom when a story has broken, you can't really imagine what it's like. When something big happens and the buzz goes through and people who are news junkies, who live and breathe this stuff, look at things differently. There is a dark sense of humor that lives in newsrooms that is non-existent survival. outside of that survival. survival skill, yeah. uh, but there is a, uh, there is um, a feeling and a vibe in those rooms when something is happening that is uh, I, I've never felt it anywhere else outside of that. You must be familiar with that feeling. Oh, for heaven's sake. Yeah. Yes. There's also in newsrooms, I mean, there is, a, a, you know, and I think it's easy to look at that and view view journalists as being giddy about tragedy or something. Right. But that's not what it is. 
it's it's being um, excited about the possibility of passing on information. I think sometimes journalists, when we're born, our first words are, guess what I found out, right. which is kind of what I was like. And I think we always feel that way. And it's the fact that you have new information to share, um, new things to tell people who need to know this stuff. That's what gets your blood pounding. And the developments of daily life are absolutely fascinating. They're absolutely fascinating. The other thing you find in newsrooms is a real familial atmosphere. There's a lot of teamwork. There's a lot of teasing. There's a mom. There's a dad. You know, there's the crazy uncle, (laughs) you know, and sometimes I have played all of those roles. (laughs) Or, you know, there were times that Dan was a father figure to me and times when he was more a naughty little brother Mm -hmm. and I was his crazy aunt. So you did have... We took care of each other and cared about each other, and Dan had a saying that really touched me at the time, and I didn't know how true it would end up being. He said, we went into this together, and we're going to come out of this together. Right. And I that meant the world to me because uh, I, I had nobody else in my workspace telling me that or really believing that. There's a line in the movie that uh, I really liked. Topher Grace asks Dan Rather, why did you go into journalism? And the answer is so simple and so perfect. Curiosity, that's everything. Mm-hmm. And that's it, isn't it? That is absolutely it. It's um, the chance to be, to have a front row seat at history. Yeah. Um, it, uh, you know, I really do. I, I am grateful for my years at CBS. I had a fabulous run. I learned so much. It was a gift to travel the world and see what the globe is really like for all these different people that we share the air with. And and I that was profoundly important, but it is curiosity. It is curiosity that makes us go to war. It's curiosity that makes us ask questions that we know are going to be, you know, completely unwelcome and and people aren't going to like us anymore. And it is curiosity. It's the kind of curiosity that Americans, we that was our group that we covered for, we went there and asked those questions and did those stories because all Americans can't. So mm-hmm. somebody was going to go and ask it and, and do these things. And I really profoundly believed in the importance of uh, journalism to a functioning democracy. Do you feel that you were made uh, a scapegoat or made an example of? Yes. Yeah. Let me think about it, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, I'm asking some questions I know the answers to, but I'd like to hear your take on it. For a number of reasons, and I don't think it was because of any animosity toward me personally that had been percolating there in any way. Um, I think what happened was... It was a real reminder to journalists everywhere that the Bush administration, if you messed with them, look what happened to them. Mm -hmm. It was a don't look behind this curtain, don't ask these questions, don't get on our wrong side, or you might get run over too. I mean, it was the oldest kind of, um, uh, it was was threatening to other journalists. And I, in one of, I don't like bullies, and I don't like being bullied, and I don't like the American people being bullied, and I don't like journalists being bullied, and so I was, um, I was, uh, I was unhappy at the time with the way things were going, and I was absolutely driven mad by the fact that there was nothing we could do about it. It's been eleven years since you worked in television. Uh, do you miss it? Sometimes, yeah. sometimes yes, sometimes no. Yeah. I've found that I enjoy writing for print 
really just as much, mm-hmm. which flabbergasts me to say that now because I didn't think I ever would because for me the puzzle of putting together video was always so important. But I love writing, and I think um, being able to, uh, having worked visually so long, it makes my writing a little bit different. It makes it a little bit more visual, which I really enjoy. I love sleeping in my mo- my own bed a lot of time. <laughs> I love making dinner plans and actually appearing and not being swept away in a tornado of coverage over a tornado. So those things are really nice. I have had the gift of being at home with my son most of the time for the last 11 years and my husband. And um, I think it has been one of the things I think about is that life was a roller coaster. It was a whirlwind. It was um, a very, my job was my identity far too much. And I think it has been good for me in that regard because I don't think I ever would have gotten off that ride if I hadn't been thrown off. So I think that in that sense, um, you know, I'm not one of those everything happens for a reason people. But I do think you can make lemonade or you can see the lemonade in that big pile of lemons. And (laughs) that, that has been the case for me. Mary Mapes is my guest. The movie is called Truth. Kate Blanchett plays her character involved in the Killian documents controversy, and uh, her dismissal from CBS is covered there. What do you hope people take away from truth? I want them to see journalists as real live people Mm -hmm. who have people they love, homes, families, people they care about, but at the base of what they do, the reason they got into this was because they wanted to make a difference in a positive way for their readers and viewers and listeners. Mm -hmm. That is just a fact. You don't go into journalism because you want to get rich, although some people, a few do. Dan Rather Uh, has a nice apartment. He does. He does. In the film. Uh, He does have a nice apartment. (laughs) Probably in real life. But, you know, he worked for uh, 45 years um, at CBS for that apartment. But, and uh, did yeoman work mm-hmm. the entire time and deserved it. But but some people do get wealthy, but mostly um, y- you stay in a lot of bad hotels. Yeah. You, uh, if you go internationally, you have some really tough assignments and some tough times. You um, aren't there sometimes when you wish you could be there. But I think it gives you a breadth of experience. I think it's journalism is based in a love for people. Mm-hmm. And a love of storytelling, and I think it is an absolutely key element to any functioning democracy. It really is. And I worry that in the political pushback that we've experienced so much um, since 2004, and really earlier Mm -hmm. than 2004, we've lost our courage and our ability to stand up and say, hey, wait a minute, I got a question. And if you're afraid to ask the question, you've already lost. Well, I think that, too, and we're we're virtually out of time here, but politics in some ways since 2004 has become almost like sports. We like one team, and we really love them, and it doesn't matter what they do and what they say, and what they, but I am a traditional, and I will stick with this team, and that's they're the only team I'm going to root for. On the other hand, uh, what that leads to is, you know. Myopia. Myopia and people not asking questions when they should. Lack of information. A lack of information. And we have politicians who feel emboldened by that and say, okay, well, you know what? I'm not going to talk to the press now. Well, and you can live, um, as a viewer or or reader, you can live in your own bubble. Mm -hmm. You never have to learn a darn thing. That's right. You never have to look at anything differently. All you have to do is just keep taking the same medicine every day, you know, and that's that's what a lot of people do. And I think um, 
I think that we're worse for it. We now chart in politics what's called low-information voters, yep. and we have way too many low-information voters. And if you'd like to see them on display tonight, watch the debate, the Republican yep. debate, where yep. we have a reality show contestant yep. and a neurosurgeon and all manner of folks who uh, would not have been able to grace the stage in any other election year or any other society. That was my conversation with Mary Mapes. Kate Blanchett plays her in the film Truth. Robert Redford plays Dan Rather in the same film. It's a fascinating story, and I was interested to talk to her because I thought she could shine some light on a murky story that became even murkier once lawsuits began to fly around. Toni Collette, we talked about her movie, Miss You Already, a little bit earlier. It is a cancer movie. It is a movie about a woman who becomes what they call in the movie a cancer bully when she is diagnosed with terminal cancer. I spoke with Toni Collette during the Toronto International Film Festival, and we talked about cancer, having cancer, and portraying cancer on the screen. Here's that conversation. I want to uh, thank you uh, on behalf. I, I, I went through chemo and all that recently. Done now. Not wood. Everything's good. Uh, but when I watched it, thank you. But when I watched this movie, there were moments in it that almost made me want to leave the theater. And they're weird moments. They're weird things that you think of. The clear tape that they attach your your chemo uh, spike on, all that kind of stuff, brought back such vivid kind of memories for me. And, yeah, it's it's crazy when you see it because you. I, I as I sit here, I can tell you all about it today mm -hmm. as we sit here. And I don't think it affects me at all. And then I see it like that on the screen, mm -hmm. and I'm like, ah, oh, man, I don't know if I want if I can watch this. Mm -hmm. But point of my rambly question is, uh, thank you for for portraying someone who has cancer who uh, isn't the noble cancer survivor, the person who, through all adversity, through all the ups and downs that you go through on a, not by daily basis, but an hourly basis, when you have something growing inside you that you don't understand, yeah. uh, you know, someone who isn't stoic in the face of that, because nobody is. Mm. And I wasn't, and I don't think in real life anybody is. I think, oh, well, I imagine. Well, Millie, I mean, and first of all, it's a total pleasure. I, I, I found this story so important and, uh, and so rare in its absolute truth, you know. Um, and we just did not want to misrepresent the experience of cancer in any way, shape or form. So I'm very, very pleased to hear that. I'm glad you're cancer-free. That's good. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I guess we, apart from, you know, having friends who have been through it, which, it's, I think it's a private experience, you know, it's, it's not, it, I certainly didn't understand, I, I, I could sympathise and be there for them, but I didn't understand, and, and in doing all the research that Kath, Catherine and I did for this movie, it, um, it was very, very eye-opening and completely informative. And I think Morwenna also, it's a very personal story for her. Um, it is fiction, but it's informed by direct experiences. And I think all of us just wanted to, just to demystify it. And, um, you know, it's not a film about cancer. And I guess the, the main thrust of it is um, 
you know, appreciating what you have. I think for most people, it's kind of like, whoa, hang on, this is my one and only life here, and it's a bit of a wake up call. And and um, and I think I think we've somehow managed to to make it feel as real as possible. And and that I'm really proud of. It is the thing that happens. Well, I can't speak for everyone, but for me, uh, it, it makes you, and this is what I took away from the film, that sense that it makes you think about absolutely everything, absolutely everything. There's nothing that you don't, uh, that, that doesn't, because, well, well, for one thing, when you're sitting there getting chemo, you have hours of yeah, nothing to, to sit, sit there, there. and you're, you know, your mind reels. But on the other side of that, um, it makes you think about every part of your life and what's worthy, what isn't, yeah. what you're concerned about, why do I get so upset about whatever it is. Yeah. And, and I can honestly tell you that everything is different now. Every single thing. And, and the movie represents that. As you go through stages, you don't get there right away. Oh God! And like in Millie real life, Millie is a cow, and, man. Yeah, yeah. She's a cow. Her priorities are all wrong. What? She's so self-centered, what so vain, it? so narcissistic. Cancer bully. That's cancer the, bully. I never heard that before. Yeah, yeah. you're yeah, a yeah. cancer bully. She's just she can't see beyond herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But could she before the cancer? I was wondering. I mean, she was, you know, great friends. Yep. You know, but she was the narcissistic one. Right. She's narcissistic and also um, just kind of spiky. And um, no, I don't think she. I mean, she, you know, she has kids, and and mm-hmm. that's something profound. And she's she's got this, you know, really amazing life with this family. But I think a lot of us take take what we have for granted, and you know, and she's attached more than most to her body, you know, and the way it's presented. She has a real obsession with her exterior self. And um, when that becomes something that she can't control or that changes, um, then it changes her. It's big. I mean... It is big. It's such a big idea because, you know, hopefully it will never happen to most, you know, to, to you or to anyone that you know. But when it does, it becomes, it becomes uh, uh, all you can think about. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the, the effects that it's going to have on you and, you know, from beyond that. And I, I could see that in the performance. I could see even in the moments when you weren't directly talking about it, you can feel that, you know, it feels like the sort of Damocles is kind of hanging over your head because it's something that's kind of hard to understand too. I mean, what the hell is it really? Know, yeah. A bunch of weird cells that do, yeah. you know, and, 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 but I could, I could sense that the character, that, that you have that very real feeling that it's just present no matter what you're doing. That's great. In the day to day. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the relationship between you and your mom. Yeah. Jacqueline Pissette. Oh, isn't she the best? Pissette, She's man. so fucking funny in this movie. Oh, so funny. And I don't know that I've seen her be funny before. Maybe I have and I'm not thinking, I'm not registering. I don't think it. I have. Yeah. She's fantastic in it. And she said to Catherine, apparently, no, nobody seems to like this character, so I'm, I'm going to have to play her very unlikable. <laughs> and she did, but she relished it. She did yeah. such an amazing job. Well, I think that's why you end up liking her, is because she kind of doesn't give a shit. Yeah, like she just, yeah, yeah. she's just herself. <laughs> Come what may, that's yeah, what yeah. you get. Yeah, but I do love that relationship. That's what, 
I mean, you know when you watch a movie and maybe the two main characters seem fully realised, but mm-hmm. things start to fall away? Right. This, what I love about this movie, that all the other characters, every single character, no matter how much screen time they have, is fully realised. It feels like this full, rich, dense, real world, you know, where people are really living their lives. And it's so... Um, it was really lovely to be a part of that. And, and I, you know, you hope it would, would, will be that. And then when I saw it, I just think the editor, Philip, and... Catherine did the most incredible job cutting it together. So, yeah, I think it's an important one. I hope I hope a lot of people go go and see it. Has it played here yet, or no? We had the premiere yesterday. It's yesterday. Yeah. What was the audience reaction? Amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people. You could feel that they were just in it the entire way. and afterwards there was a standing ovation. Nobody wanted to leave the cinema. Okay. It was just, and then people wanted to talk about it and talk about it. And yeah. It was just, yeah. yeah. The good thing is that the tears um, aren't alone. There's a lot of laughter as well, you know. Well, it doesn't outweigh the joy of the movie. Yeah, and I don't want to, you know, suggest that it is, <clears throat> like, the, the, there is a dark humor that comes along with, uh, with being that ill. And I certainly found it, and it's there in the movie, wearing the the, the yeah. buckets on your head, and then like there's jokes all the way through. And much later on, when you are much more ill, mm-hmm. uh, you talk about like the the uh, like oysters behind my eyes or whatever the line yeah. is, and, and and you know there there is a way that you you deal with it through humor, I guess. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, you find that you got to find something. I yeah. mean, you have to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you hope audiences walk away from? with this movie? Um, some very wet tissues. <laughs> I, think I suggest people bring a towel and oh. wrap it around their neck. Even I, Drew and I still, like, everyone who worked on it, we still like, cry. we still cry and we know what's going on. Um, and we were there and we know what's going <laughs> yeah, You know how it is. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's, you know, more than anything, it's a celebration of life. People are running to their phones and calling their best friends. Right. And if they're doing that, then we've done the right thing. Right. 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 And tell me a little bit about working with Drew Barrymore. Did you know, like, I mean, this is such a kind of a hack question, I guess, but did you know her before? And you guys seem like you're so tight that's in good. the film. That's good. That's great. But, I mean, that's also, it's your actors, it's what happens. But did you know her before? I met her a couple of times and we had a lot of mutual friends. And... I wrote to her personally and talked about what I loved in the movie and why I thought she was right to do it, and I really kind of begged her to do it. Um, and what was it about her that you wanted? Well, she's so warm. She's just so warm, and she's a girl's girl. She's so grounded, and she's so thoughtful and articulate and likable. Um, and they're all qualities that Jess has as well. You know, there are others for Jess, but Drew just kind of emanates this warm-heartedness. And um, it was a very inconvenient time for her. She just had her second baby, and she wasn't thinking about work at all. But she loved it, and she could see the importance of it. And she loved that it's ultimately a story about love and platonic love and female friendship. And, um, and she jumped in. And I have to say, it was pretty instant. We had... She came straight from the airport to have a wardrobe fitting and then we had a rehearsal and she sat there and she like talked for 40 minutes straight about all her feelings and thoughts about it and I just sat there listening, blown away. And then we went through a couple of scenes and everyone kind of pissed off and they just left Drew and I to have lunch together. 
it was like we'd known each other forever. It was just like this instant electric. I mean, we knew why we were there, so we probably allowed ourselves to do it. But you can never determine chemistry. And I have to say, she's a great, great, dear friend that I hope I'll have forever because um, I just think she's a beautiful person and we've shared something really, really special. And both of us was, were very... Um, it's not every day that you work with actors who are willing to be open. You need to be present and open and allow yourself to connect. And and she did that, and so it made my job much easier, you know. It, I mean, it just yeah. it influenced the, the entire relationship, and um, it was just a lot of fun. She's also naughty and cheeky and fun, you know. <laughs> All the things that I admire, and Millie is, and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is uh, a theme sort of running throughout the festival this year in terms of uh, great movies uh, with really strong and interesting roles for women in them. This is something that I keep reading articles about in the newspapers this last summer. saw movies, uh, female-led movies do right. really well. Uh, I interviewed Sandra Bullock yesterday. She talked about how her new film was originally written for a man, and she said, hey, I wouldn't mind doing this, and they may, you know. Uh, do you see a shift in things that you're being offered? Uh, do you see that the roles, the kind of roles coming your way are changing? I, I don't know if I'm the right person to talk about it. First of all, I'd rather it not be a rarity and that we didn't have to go, oh, isn't this great? Well, no, Once and we and get I, beyond it, that, it'll it, be great. And, and I get that. I yeah. absolutely, I get that. I was a little hesitant but now, almost to ask still, it. But no, but it's still a struggle. It's it, only 4% of female directors, you yeah. know? It's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, slash woeful, and it's yeah, got to yeah, change. Yeah. Um, but, shit, what am I saying? Um, well, sorry. Talk, you're talking about the kinds of roles, maybe. Are, are yeah, they I different? Think I somehow have avoided being um, I've, I've avoided having to play the same kind of role over and over right. simply because I don't want to do, yeah. I don't want to do that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think artists should should once I've done it it's done you know I don't want it it's done there's no need to do it again so I've always looked for different roles and I get a lot of different things that I've never kind of received the same kind of thing all the time so um, that's kind of continuing to happen. I, I worked with Michael at TED uh, last year and early this year, and I play a role that was originally a man, uh, written for a man, and I really loved that he said, hang on a minute, this could be a woman, and kind of yeah, yeah. got me involved, and it was really great to, to work with him. He's a total gentleman and, a, you know, the most astute man great on trouble. set. Yeah. yeah. I really was so eager to work with him. Um, so that does happen actually, and it's lo and it's very exciting that it's happening more often because, mm -hmm. man, there's a real there's a real imbalance. It's frustrating. That was Tony Collette talking about her film Miss You Already. It's in theaters right now, so perhaps when you're done raking the leaves outside here at the House of Krauss, you can. Go down to the theater in the corner and check it out. Also, Mary Mapes stopped by. She is played by Kate Blanchett in the film Truth. And you know what? If you have to have anybody play you in a movie, it may as well be Kate Blanchett. That's pretty cool. So thanks to Tony. Thanks to Mary. But most of all, thanks to you for coming by every week and stopping by the House of Krauss. It gets pretty lonely over here if nobody comes by. So I really appreciate you coming by. We put a new episode up every Monday. Tell your friends and uh, swing by because you never know who else is going to stop by for a visit. 